All right. Well, if there's one thing we've learned uh, the past two weeks about these videos, it's that Shane has a, an affinity for foreign film. <laughs> and that apparently you understand foreign language. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. How do you do with that, like, ASPCA one, you know? In the arms, I, you know, like the puppy dog eyes. Like, okay. Well, sorry. That was a tangent. How many of you guys out there play chess or have played chess or consider yourself chess players? Yeah. I am as good at chess as the person I'm playing because I have a solid strategy. I just copy every single move that they make. All right? You know, you put the little round pawn. It's called a pawn. You know, you move that thing two spaces forward, I'm going to just mirror you the whole time. And eventually they get really mad at you and do a move that you know is stupid and, like, open up to the king. And you're just like, ah, pow, check me. Every time. So if you ever play me in chess, just realize that that's what's going to happen. Okay? You make a move, I'm making the same move. Until you either make a mistake or it's a check, check stalemate, checkmate. Some type, some type of mate. Some type of mate. There's a mate involved. Huh? Well, then I make my first move and I copy every move they make from there on out. <laughs> Problem solved. You know? No big deal. No big deal. Uh, you know, the game of chess, the objective of chess is to protect your king, ultimately, uh, and capture the other person's king. In order to protect your king and capture the other king, you will sacrifice pretty much all of your pieces, right? All of your troops. The story of Jesus is much like the game of chess, except he completely flips it on its head and turns the game all the way around. We see that the king is sacrificed to protect the pawns. Okay? The biggest, best, most important piece is sacrificed to protect all the little pieces that are just supposed to get the king to the end point. And so today we're going to look at that story. We're going to look at Isaiah 53. That's where we're going to be in our Bibles. If you want to turn there uh, in a paper Bible or if you have the Bible app, we do have a live event going there this morning. Uh, just kind of outlines what we're going to be looking at. Um, but we're going to look at that story. We're going to look at the fact that Christ came and that he lost so that we as individuals could win. Okay, Christ came and he lost so that we as individuals can win. I'm going to read all of chapter 53. I know that that's long, so bear with me, okay? But if you'll uh, just follow along in your Bibles, then we'll get to it. Who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when you see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was abused for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, and we have turned every single one of us to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, 
nor was any deceit in his mouth. Listen to this now. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide in him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Here in Isaiah 53, the first thing we learn about Christ, we see that Christ chose mediocrity over magnificence. Christ chose mediocrity over magnificence. If we look back at verse 2, listen to this. I don't know if I've ever heard this verse the way I heard it this week when I was studying for this passage. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. See, here we go. People are asking, so tell me what this Jesus is like. And they're like, well, he's got a great personality. (laughs) He's got a great personality. They're literally saying here that Jesus wasn't that attractive. There's nothing about him that would make us desire him. He wasn't the normal king, okay? You think about a normal king, even if they're ugly, they can adorn themselves in jewels and gold and a crown and the finest clothing. They can make something out of nothing. But Jesus came to this earth and he chose a form that would not make him stand out. And he chose to be little. He chose to be insignificant in appearance. Why did he do this? What difference does this make for us? How does it work for our benefit? First, when a leader is not concerned about their appearance, when they're not concerned about how they come off, when they're not concerned about being glorified, they lift those up around them. Christ became small so that you as an individual could be big. Christ became small so that you could be exalted. He did that for you. And the second thing that it does for us, it sets the precedence that humans are to be judged by their heart. Humans are to be judged by their heart. See, it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter the things that you have um, or the power that you have or the decisions that you can make or the people that follow you. What matters is what's in your heart. How are you impacting the world around you? Christ did that for us. So even the richest person when it comes to monetary gain, may not be the richest person in the room. But do you have that heart for Jesus? Is your heart one with the Lord? The second thing that Isaiah 53 teaches us is that Christ suffered so that we could find victory in what would otherwise be crushing defeat. Okay, if we look, uh, we're going to go verses 3 through 8 and then look briefly at 12. If we look in verse 3, it tells us that he was despised and rejected and acquainted with grief. In verse 4, it tells us that he took our pain and suffering. He took your pain and suffering. And did we thank him? No. It doesn't say we thanked him. It said that we were esteemed in that. We took pride in that. We took pleasure in that. We were happy with that. Verse 5 goes on to say that he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our sins, chastised to bring us peace. And we are healed by his brokenness. Christ allowed himself to be broken so that you can be complete, so that you can be whole. 
so that you don't have to be broken. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Isn't that a wonderful thing? You know, I've played sports my entire life. And the sport that's nearest and dearest to my heart is football. It's a team sport. And in order for your team to win, somebody on that team has to make a sacrifice. Now I'm going to sound like the fat guy that's always been on the old line his whole life, but it's always the old line. Okay? It's always the old line and the defensive line. That's where you're going to see games won and lost. But very rarely are you going to get to see that player called out, right? We're not scoring touchdowns. We're not doing the crazy celebrations. We're getting beat up. We're getting broken. We're getting feet stepped on. We're getting fingers caught in face masks and snapped. You know, we're going through all the craziness so that the smart little handsome attractive jerk can throw a football around to other smart little attractive handsome jerks and they can score and everybody's like, yay. All right? Here's the thing. Jesus could have come to earth and he could have been like, you know what? I want to be Tom Brady. Instead, he chose to be Willie Rofe. You guys, who's that? Exactly. My point. Exactly my point. Look him up. He was amazing. But check it out. Okay? He chose to be small so that we could be big. Verse 6 tells us that we turned our backs on him after all this, right? Christ gave himself up for us. He sacrificed for us. He did all this so that we could find glory, so that we could be with God, so that one day we might be in heaven with him, and we turned our backs on him anyways. Verse 7 says that through it all, here's the most impressive part to me, that he kept his mouth shut, and like a lamb, he allowed himself to be led to the slaughter. See, I have a problem with this, because if you guys are turning your back on me, and I'm sacrificing for you, and you're being jerks, you're going to hear about it. Oh, oh, you are going to hear about it. You're going to know. You're going to know. And that may be a character flaw in myself. I'm willing to admit that, but I'm just letting you now, letting you know now, if I ever sacrifice something for you, and there's not at least like a, you know, some sort of acknowledgement, I'm probably going to kick you in the back of the knee, right? Straight to the ground. You know, like when you let somebody over in traffic and you're waiting for the wave and like they don't give it? What's wrong with people? You know? I've been studying pit maneuvers on YouTube for days. Next time I let somebody in and I don't get one of those, whoosh, ditch. It's happening. It's happening. See, but Christ, not like that. Not like that. Real life application. We're enjoying this today, aren't we? So I'm telling you, Christ would not do that, just so we're clear. Probably wouldn't know what a vehicle is either at this point in his life here, but, you know, just saying. Verse 8 tells us that he faced judgment. He was thrown in prison, had his life taken, and it was all for someone else's mistakes. And then verse 12 tells us, At the end of verse 12, it says that he bore the sin of many and he made intercession for the transgressors. How does this help us? Let's look at Luke 6.22. It says that blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. How can this be? How are we supposed to take joy in that? How are we supposed to take joy when people are harassing us, when people are belittling us, when people see us as vile, just for the way we think? Why do we take joy in that? I'll tell you why. Because it reflects the character of Christ. It's a direct reflection of Christ's life. If you get put through that, take joy. Okay? Take joy because you are reflecting the character of Christ. And you are seeing a very small, small, small snippet of what it was like to be him. See, but that's something amazing that Christ did for us. He took that loss and he made it gain. So next time somebody has something negative to say about you, 
you know, that guy's a Christian, what an idiot, blah, blah, blah. I want you to just turn around, fist pump, you know? Take joy in it. Take joy in it. Celebrate life. Because Christ came to give you that life. And if we go through that pain and suffering, we are like him. That is a good thing. Here Christ lost for our gain. Third thing. Third thing we need to understand. Christ sacrificed himself to provide the ultimate gathering. Right? Our series this, this Christmas round is called The Gathering. Talking about people coming together, coming together as one. Christ paved a way for that to happen for everyone. For everyone. You know, we are in a trying time in our world right now. We really are. We've got an entire society that seems to be split. Right? Lots of racial tension. We've got the Black Lives Matter movement and... We've got the, what they're calling the alt-right movement right now. They kind of butt heads. And it'd be real easy for us to look at either one and say, oh, they're crazy. To just dismiss their feelings. But we need to take the time to look at these issues and say, man, why is this taking place? How are we going to come together? See, Christ, what he did with his sacrifice was he got rid of race. I want you to hear me on this. He got rid of race. He didn't get rid of skin color, but he got rid of race. There are two races. There are those who are part of the family of Christ, and there are those that are not. That's it. And as Christians, we need to be the voice to that other race. We need to be reaching out to those, regardless of skin tone, regardless of background, regardless of political position, to say you are loved, that Christ made himself small for you, and that the biggest and best decision you can make of your life is recognizing that, and giving your life over to Christ. It doesn't make it easy. doesn't mean that we don't struggle. doesn't mean that we don't sin. doesn't mean that time after time we won't fall. Paul, not this Paul. I'm not talking about myself in the third person. Paul, the Bible, talked to us about how he was greatly conflicted in his life. Right? Greatly conflicted in his life. And that time and time again, he did things that he did not want to do. Now, Paul was probably one of the greatest theologians and pastors the church has ever seen. But by his own admittance, he was also one of the greatest sinners that the church had ever seen. And it didn't go away overnight just because he gave his heart to God. Okay, but the beautiful thing is that God paved a way for him to be forgiven. He sent his son and made his son small and took pleasure in bruising his child and taking his child's life so that each and every single one of us could have a life with him. That's phenomenal. That's the message we spread. That's a message of love. And if we're not doing that this holiday season, we have a problem. But we have a bigger problem if we are only doing it this holiday season. You understand? If it's only have a great day because we're around Christmas... If it's only I'm going to let this guy into traffic because I just bought presents, we have a problem. We have a heart problem. And Christ didn't offer himself up like a lamb to the slaughter so that we could ignore what he had done, so that we could ignore his words, so that we could be stubborn and turn our backs on him regardless of what he's done for us. That's not what this is all about.
Isaiah 53.11, it says that he shall see the labor of his soul. That's Christ's crucifixion, okay? And be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many. Isaiah 53.12 goes on to say that he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. I shared this on Facebook. This is a, a thought that had come to me this week as I was studying. The magnificence of Christ's sacrifice okay, is that it paved the way for all of us. It covers all of us. But the thing that should shake you and shakes me to my absolute core, that should change your worldview, that should make you think twice about the way you're living your life, is that Christ would have done it for just you. Just you. Take everybody out of this room, and you sit here by yourself, and he would have went through all of it all over again for just you. I gotta say, wouldn't do that. Wouldn't do that. See, to me, it makes more sense I might give my life if I thought I was saving hundreds or thousands or hundreds of thousands of people, right? Now, I would give my life for my wife. I would give my life for my daughter. I have no doubt about that. But when it comes to people that are not them, it's going to have to be a mass number for me to just be like, take my life. Yeah, Scott, not you. Listen, pretty fantastic, not a chance. Love you, though. You never bring me Starbucks, so hey. Thanks for distracting me, Scott. Where was I? I would not do that. That's where I was. Sorry, not the greatest guy in the world. But you know who was Christ? And Christ would have done that for just you. For just you. Let's pray, shall we? Lord, we come to you right now and we thank you so much for the sacrifice that you made. You sent your son to die on a cross, to be led like a lamb to the slaughter, to be crushed, to be bruised, to be beaten, to be crucified for our sins, for our mistakes. And God, every time we sin, every time we screw up, it's like we slap you in the face, yes, but we know still, God, that you gave your son for us so that we could find forgiveness for when we make mistakes. And the fact that Christ died for individuals. That makes us all equals. We're co-heirs of the kingdom, Lord, and I pray today that we see that, that we don't let anything separate us throughout our life, regardless of what time of year it is, regardless of what background an individual may have, Lord, that we are always arms open, ready to accept people, ready to tell them that you are loved, that God loves you, that God gave up his son, that God allowed his son to be absolutely destroyed so that you can have life. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. That's the ultimate sacrifice. And so God, today, I ask every person in this room to search their hearts to not leave this place unless they are absolutely confident, God, that they know you. Not just know about you, because to know about something is completely different than knowing you. We want them to have that personal relationship. And if they don't have that today, Lord, we want them to have that. We want them to come talk to us. We'll have some people in the back ready to talk, willing to talk, wanting to talk. Lord, we may have some others in this room who have had a relationship with you. 
and still do, Lord, but for whatever reason, they are struggling. They are struggling. They are in one of those times in life that's a valley. And we all go through that. That's life. We go through ups and we go through downs. Maybe they just need to be prayed with. Maybe they need to recommit their life. Maybe they just need to focus on putting you first. Whatever it may be, Lord, I pray that you allow them to come speak with us as well. Lord, move in this place today. Bless each and every person here. Make them beacons of light in this world. In your son's name we pray. Amen.